You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red High Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us, Sean DeMartel. And he's an apartment investor. He also co-hosts the Multifamily Takeoff podcast, which I highly recommend you check out on iTunes. And he's a co-founder of Pacific 3 Capital. And he's the host of various networking events uh, coming out from San Diego, California. And he got started in real estate by buying a 32-unit in Greenwood, Indiana. So we want to hear about how he bought that first deal. And what's even more interesting is that Sean actually works a, uh, a day job still uh, as an air traffic controller. So we want to hear how he's able to uh, still pursue multifamily real estate investing. He owns about 482 units now. So that's a large number of units in different markets. So uh, we're wondering how he's able to do that as well as taking uh, on a air traffic controller job because that's not an easy job, especially with the hours you got to be flexible with. So, exactly. Yeah. So we want to hear all about it, Sean. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Sure. So just talk to us how you started and why are you interested in real estate in the first place, multifamily? And how did you find that property, the 32 unit in Indiana? And then how did you go from there? Oh, for sure. So let's take it way back then. Um, so I started in air traffic control in the United States Navy. I served for five years. Um, I was getting out of the Navy, got hired by the Federal Aviation Administration here in San Diego, California. It was my dream job. I got the exact facility that I like dreamt of working at so I could live here in San Diego. And it's a good high six-figure job. Um, and after a couple of years, I you know started to have extra income to invest. I was maxing out my 401k. And I wanted to invest outside of that. So I was talking to various friends that were investors. One of them in particular was really into real estate. And he recommended me to the Bigger Pockets podcast, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners have probably heard of. And I didn't listen to it at first or check it out. And this is years and years and years ago. And I uh, was one day on a road trip and kicked it on because I needed something to listen to. And that really started was the catalyst to starting this whole me going down into the wormhole of real estate and being obsessed and trying to learn how I can replicate the success I was hearing. Um, so I, I started to really self-educate for about a year and a half, two years of reading every single book I could get my hands on relating to real estate, um, listening to every podcast I could find on iTunes. And then, uh, you know, eventually I, I got serious enough to actually start looking for properties. And I was realizing as I was looking for properties and, you know, I live here in San Diego, California, I'm looking in the Midwest. I want to invest out of state where the returns just make more sense and the laws, you know, are a little more landlord friendly, those sorts of things. So I'm underwriting properties and um, the cash flow is just really low. I'm realizing that it's going to take a really long time to scale and get to the level of wealth building that I wanted to achieve. And uh, so I started to, hear and learn more about multifamily. So I thought, okay, I'll get into a small multifamily to start. And I was looking at triplexes and whatnot. And I was realizing that, the, you know, triplexes and fourplexes, they're, they definitely underwrite better. The cash flow is definitely better, but I was still struggling to find good deals. 
And uh, I was simultaneously doing this with two of my partners uh, who are my partners today. Uh, their names are Mike and Rich, and they were also air traffic controllers where I worked. And then one day, uh, Rich came up with the idea, why don't we just put all of our funds together here, put our power together and go jump right into the larger multifamily. Like, let's just skip all the small stuff. We can do it together and partner. Uh, and the rest is kind of history on how that started to very quickly evolve into us um, getting, you know, learning even more about this larger commercial multifamily. Uh, we all three liquidated our 401ks. Um, so we were really jumping all in on this. And our first property that we ended up getting was a 32 unit in Greenwood, Indiana, which is about 20 minutes south of downtown Indianapolis. Um, that property was definitely the hardest one to get. Uh, the first one I would say for most people is probably the hardest. Um, but I, I think that property definitely completely changed my life. I mean, the road to get there was a long one. The road of self-education was a long one. Um, but if you'd like to me to get more, you want me to give me some more specific on how we ended up getting that deal? Yeah. Talk to us about the numbers a little bit, if you don't mind. So let's do that. Yeah. So uh, so that deal, it, it cost $1.2 million, 32 units, and it was a heavy value add distressed property, basically, but it was in a really great neighborhood. Um, and I'd like to back it up a little bit by saying just getting that deal took probably six to eight months, I believe, of underwriting deals. And we were underwriting deals in various markets um, around the Midwest and you know, networking with brokers as much as we could. Uh, bad deal after bad deal after bad deal until eventually this one comes across our desk and the numbers actually make a little bit of sense. So then it was an uphill battle of, of even getting the bank to lend us the money because none of us had multifamily experience. Um, the bank typically wants to see that you have a net worth equal to or greater than the loan amount, which we didn't have even combined. So that was really a long process of basically working with our mortgage broker uh, writing up business plans, showing them our underwriting, and just fighting to get to the closing table. Most banks said no, and we eventually got one bank to say yes. But what we liked about this property was that it was in a really great neighborhood, and the rents were extremely below market. And we knew that if we could just fix it up and renovate it, reposition it, that we could get insane returns by raising the rents, you know, $200 plus per unit. Um, so, the, the property, again, was a $1.2 million purchase price, but it needed just about everything. Well, well, let me talk about the neighborhood. So what we did like about the neighborhood was that the median household income was over $50,000, which is great for the Midwest. Uh, it had some of the best, one of the best school districts in the area, and the crime was really low. And those are the, was some of the three first things that we look at for, in a neighborhood, right? So we liked that. We liked uh, that the purchase price wasn't bad. So uh, the, the thing about this property, though, is it was basically owned by a slumlord. So she, you know, there were tenants with all kinds of issues with like, you know, rotted out cabinets. Um, they, you know, had HVACs that weren't working. Um, there were water leak issues. So we basically, we kind of joke sometimes and say we basically bought a big pile of bricks because it's a brick building. But the business plan was to go in and completely renovate the interiors completely renovate the exteriors and we were going to get 150 to 200 dollars rent bumps per unit and we got this in december 2019 and we've actually been exceeding our our expectations and our pro formas up up until now it's been honestly amazing and we're about to finish refinancing it just a little over a year after own ownership excellent so you started out buying your first property out of state 
right, mm-hmm. for all three of you with a small group. And it, I'm assuming it was just a small partnership style. It wasn't a syndication. There's, those are two different things. So right. you started out with, at least on the smaller side, um, between a couple of partners, which is similarly to how I started out too, which is excellent. So from there, you know, I think I mentioned you have almost 500 units now. That's only 32. So where did the other, you know, 470 right. so come from? I'm glad you brought that up. So we're about to have almost, uh, so soon to have almost 500 because we basically got two properties in our contract right now with one of them closing very soon. Um, one's 150 unit, the other's 140 unit. And there's a, a third property that we're hoping to get under contract in the coming months as well. So I would say the, the one thing that was able to help us scale that quickly is getting a mentor. And it's something that I would recommend to anybody that wants to scale like that, because like I mentioned earlier, when you're talking about, you know, getting 150 unit properties that cost, you know, $10 million plus, you need somebody with the balance sheet that's going to sign on that loan with you as a key principal. Um, And you also need to show significant multifamily experience because the bank, you know, they need both of those uh, in the sponsor in order to even lend you the money. So we knew this, we knew if we wanted to scale quickly, we needed to bring somebody else on board and we wanted to learn from somebody on how to manage assets of that size anyways. So what we did is we found uh, a mentor that's more, it's, and it's not one of those like large mentorship programs that you see. This is more of a one-on-one mentorship with uh, John and Tony Azar, uh, who are very prominent in the Southeast. Their uh, company's name is Mac Venture Partners. So uh, we had one of them on our show as a guest, and then we, you know, the relationship evolved over time to where we eventually agreed on a mentorship uh, program. And so from that, we we've been able to leverage their experience, um, their network, in order to not only you know get deals of that size uh, funneled to us from brokers and for brokers to take us seriously, uh, but also to get the lending and and to to. Uh, to continue to learn on a scale that's much larger, obviously, than 32 units. So that's really the main thing there is the mentorship that that we were able to leverage and, and help us ride up. Excellent. So scaling up from a million dollar deal to $10 million plus pretty quickly, which is uh, incredible. So how are you able to, so you started out in a partnership and then you have mentor to help you sign on the loan. Um, like you mentioned, usually it's close to the loan amount that you're taking out. So, um, and you need experience too. Uh, But also how are you able to fund the transaction um, from an equity standpoint? Uh, Yeah. So we've actually been able to leverage our friends and family to, um, to fund the transactions thus far. Um, We found that, you know, we've, like you mentioned at the beginning, we have our own podcasts. Um, We put out a lot of content on our social media and our websites, we're writing blogs, teaching people what we do. We found that all of those things have really helped in building trust and building our brand so that when our friends and family see that we're you know, raising the capital for these deals, um, it, it, it definitely helps with them to be more willing to trust us and, and understand that we know what we're doing going into this um, with our mentors here. But, um, you know, over time, it, 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 I think that it's been working one day at a time on teaching others and showing them what we're doing and building that trust. And when that first deal came along, that 150 unit that we're syndicating, 
uh, once we send out, I started sending out the, you know, the text messages and phone calls to investors and emails. They were actually excited. I had people that I would, I text say, Hey, you know, we've got a, we finally found a great deal. Uh, let me know if you're interested and, and I can send you over the offering memorandum, things like that. And I, I had people text me, I've been waiting for this moment. Um, I've been waiting for you to send me this text or give me this call. So we've been very fortunate to have a good network, especially within our air traffic control job. Um, a, a large number of people that we work with are going to be investing with us. So that's, that's been the main area, but um, that is honestly going to be tapped after probably two deals. So uh, beyond that, uh, we'll be leveraging even more from our mentors to help us, you know, reach more investors. Um, but, but it's definitely difficult. I mean, getting that, you know, cause if you set a minimum of $50,000, especially early on, most people are only going to invest that $50,000. You'll have a couple people, maybe they invest more. So you need a lot of investors for these, for these larger deals. Um, and it's definitely a challenge and you can't have to constantly be trying to expand your investor ba- database in order to continuously buy deals like this. So it, it's definitely something that's uh, it, it's hard to expand. Sure. Sure. And that's a little bit of, at least in this industry in real estate, they have different barriers to entry, right? And right. Uh, number one is capital. Number two is access to deals. Number three is good experience. So uh, exactly. there, there's, there is a high barrier to entry. So uh, I love the story though, from 2019 to now we're in early 2021. I love what you said. Your investors have been in the, on the sidelines waiting for your deal to invest in. And now it's finally going through. So you guys must be thrilled to uh, be oh, closing yeah. on that shortly. So uh, where are those two deals? So they're both located in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, I can't probably give too much information on those because they are 506B offerings. So I don't want to uh, get too much in the specifics because we haven't closed on them quite yet. But um, both of those are in the in, in North Carolina, which we love. Um, like we were talking about offline, we, we love North and South Carolina. And our mentors are, are very prominent down there. They currently own about 5,000 units with 2,600 of them in North Carolina alone. So that helps to have that as the base um, to work around for sure. Excellent. So you talked about, you know, uh, mentorship and why that's, you know, really important. Um, and can you talk a little bit about the, uh, the money aspect? So how could someone without a lot of money get into multifamily, um, you know, who do, couldn't start out maybe the same way that that you did by buying one by yourself. Is there another right. way to start out? Yeah. So there's, there's a couple of ways you can go about it. Um, I would say for, for a lot of people, if you have some resources, like we used our 401ks, um, if you, if you're willing to jump in and you're that serious and you want to also liquidate your 401ks, that's one source of money that you could reach out to. Uh, but I would say, you know, for somebody getting started, you're going to need to, to partner with people in one way or another. Uh, I think it's super extremely difficult to try and do that on your own. So I think step one, doing a JV deal or a joint venture deal is probably going to be your easiest way to get in the game and get your first property. Cause you could do a joint venture with uh, probably an unlimited number of people, but you could probably, if you have, you know, several people that are also into this, getting into this with you, and you could do a joint venture on a smaller property. That's a great way to get started because if you have very little money, um, you could just combine all of your money. 
Um, but uh, the other way would be to either join some type of a program or some type of a network or excuse me, a, a mentorship program um, where you can leverage your mentors. Because this, you know, even if you're going to, let's say you're trying to jump right into the syndication model and you have virtually no money, um, you're going to need to, you know, you, even if you say, hey, you know, let me show you the deal or how about I bring a deal to you and we, you know, uh, you let me have a portion of the general partnership or something like that. There's a lot of money that goes into the deal, like even in a, a syndication, because before you even get your money from your investors, you have to pay the earnest money deposit, which is usually 1% of the loan amount or more. You have to pay the attorneys up front for a syndication, which could cost you fifteen dollars to $30,000. Um, you have to pay the app fee to the bank, which is going to be another, you know, $20,000. There's a lot of money up front that you need for these syndications. So I would say, you know, try the joint venture route um, by gathering a few people, maybe other people you've met at meetups, local meetups, things like that. Um, or, uh, you know, try to bring value to somebody else that might have the capital. And, you know, I you know, one of the best ways to do that is to, use your hustle and sweat equity to try and source a deal um, or something like that. And then by bringing, uh, finding a great deal and bringing it to somebody like a mentor or another group, you might be able to say, Hey, look, uh, I've found this deal. Um, maybe it's an off market deal, what have you. And then you can try to negotiate getting a small portion of that general partnership, even though you're not bringing any money to the table. That's kind of a long response, but <laughs> I try to think of all the different routes for sure. There's, there's so many different routes. Uh, talk to us about your podcast. You said that really helped you in your growth of your business, Multifamily Takeoff? Yeah. So the Multifamily Takeoff is a podcast similar to this one. I mean, we have long form conversations with other operators and people in, in the business, whether it's property managers or mortgage brokers, what have you. And what that's really done, I think, for people is, you know, we're sitting here talking about how do you raise capital? How do you um, get into this business with very little money. Well, in order for people to trust you, they have to feel like you know what you're talking about, that you're, you're an expert. And, you know, for most people that are getting into this business, they're coming from something else. I myself came from air traffic control, right? So when I first tell somebody what I'm doing, they might say, well, how the hell do you know anything about apartments? You're an air traffic controller. Did you go to school for this or something? So in order to change that perspective, I think that you have to constantly show people and demonstrate your knowledge. And I think one of the best ways to do that are things like blogs and podcasts, because if you're doing a podcast and, you know, every week and you're talking to experts and they're hearing you speak the language, they're hearing you dissect a deal, uh, they're going to start to think to themselves, okay, Sean might actually know a thing or two about apartment investing. They're going to be more comfortable trusting you with their money. Um, and the same goes if you're writing articles, you know, we'd like to write articles all about like how to reposition properties. How do you, you know, get a loan from the bank? How do you renovate things like that? And I think that that just helps tremendously in building that trust in your little network. Uh, so that's one of the main reasons why we created our podcast was, was to start to build that brand, start to build that trust and attract investors. But also we wanted to learn from some of the best. I mean, we've had many of the top names in apartment investing on the show. And um, we wanted to just pick their brain and ask them, you know, detailed in-depth questions about how they, you know, conduct asset management, things like that. So the podcast has been extremely helpful in accomplishing all of those goals. It's actually 
done better than we anticipated in, in accomplishing those goals. Excellent. Oh, that's, that's great to hear. Um, so talk to us a little bit more about your, for, so you decided all, all three of, you know, you and your two other partners to liquidate your 401k. Are you all three of you, or maybe just you or yourself, are you a hundred percent now in real estate or do you still own any other uh, stocks, bonds, mutual fund, you know, do you own yeah, anything yeah. else? I'm 100% into real estate and I can tell you briefly why. And it's just because the 401k system to me is broken and it, it no longer makes sense. I was actually a full believer in it and I studied it. I, uh, like I said earlier in the show, I maxed it out. Uh, the maximum I could put in each year, every year uh, is what I was uh, contributing. Um, and you know, when you're, when you study 401ks and you want to, and you're, and you're thinking about retirement, a, everyone knows that you can't withdraw that money without penalty until you're in retirement age, somewhere around 59 or 65 years old, right? And you're going to be contributing to that every single month of your life until the day you retire. So, you know, I, then you have to calculate, okay, well, at that age, when I can finally retire and not have to keep clocking in, uh, how much am I going to need to live the lifestyle that I want? And so I think that a lot of people don't even do those kind of calculations when they're counting on their 401k. But without getting too much in the weeds, there was a study done called a Trinity, the Trinity study that where uh, these professors at Trinity University calculated if you had retired in every year starting in 1920 or 1929, uh, what was your chance of outliving your money or excuse me, your money outliving you and you never running out of money? If you retired at 65, what percentage of that nest egg would you need to live off of? And the answer was 4% had you had, I think, a 95 or 98% chance that you uh, wouldn't run out of money. So to do the math backwards, you have to say, how much do you want to live off of? If you want to live off of $100,000, to do the math backwards, you multiply by 25. So you would need $2.5 million in your 401k when you retire if you want to live off of 100 grand a year. Well, to get 2.5 million, you need to start, you know, maxing out your 401k at like 25 years old. And I bet you 99% of America is not doing that. So it's just not enough for one. And for two, if you have any dream of early retirement, that's not going to get you there. So I, you know, those are the main reasons why I lost faith in it. It's also, you know, tied to your employer. Uh, it's not taxed advantage. You're either paying taxes now, or you're paying taxes later. Real estate solves all of those problems. Um, it's also, I can depend on it more. It's a little more predictable. It's not going up and down with the stock market. Um, you know, so I, I could talk about that for probably an hour, but um, at the end of the day, that's not going to get me to financial independence early. What will is real estate. I actually did the math and I said, and I wrote a blog article on our website, our podcast website about if I just kept buying that same 32 unit that we have in uh, Greenwood, Indiana. So let's just say, so my initial investment on that was $78,000. Let's just say that, that 78,000, I never invested another dime. And all I did was reinvest the money that that $78,000 made me. And every two years, we refinance that 32 unit and pull out 50% of the initial capital which is pretty conservative. I mean, for 32, we were refinancing in year one and pulling out all of our initial capital, but I wanted to be more conservative. So I said, if I just kept buying another property similar to that with the same cash on cash returns, the same equity multiple, 
uh, how much would I have in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years? Well, in 15 years, if that's what I did, I would have over $600,000 in passive cash flow each year, which is tax advantaged. And I would be reinvesting $1.2 million into the next deal. So obviously that's way better than a 401k. And the, the beauty about that is that cash flow never goes away. It only increases year over year. Whereas your 401k, you're selling off shares and that amount gets smaller and smaller year over year. So I think that it's just a no brainer. No, it definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, how can people find your blog posts, become more educated? Where can they find that? Do you write for bigger pockets or do you have your own blog? Yeah, we have our own blog. So if they go to our, our podcast website called the multifamilytakeoff.com, uh, you can click on the blog and we've got a blog there where we write these articles. My most recent article was the one I just told you about. So if somebody wanted to go see how I did the math and look at my Excel spreadsheet explaining it, they could check it out and and uh, hopefully that gets them excited, maybe inspires them to jump into multifamily. Excellent. Love it. How else could people find you, Sean, as we wrap down the show? Um, you can also go to our website, pack3capital.com. That's P-A-C, the number three, capital.com. Um, and you could also reach out to me uh, via email. Uh, if you want to reach directly out to me, I'll be happy to respond. It's Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at P-A-C, three, the number three, uh, capital.com. Great. And we'll have a link to Sean's websites, podcasts, basically his uh, social media funnel in our iTunes description and on our social media accounts as well. And if you liked what you heard and or saw, please give the podcast a rating and review on iTunes. So Sean and I can get our message out to a greater audience. We'd appreciate that. And thanks again for coming on, Sean. Hope to have you on again after you close those two deals. Would love to. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Take care.